with the fifth edition. Join our various gaming groups as we play the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. And maybe just hang out and chat about gaming in general. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here with Creative Play and Podcast Network. And joining me today are some friends that we have not had on in way too long. Justin, John, my friends. We need to talk about uh, After Collapse and uh, Palomar and Adventures that are happening here and other fun things because, you know, it's been way too long since we've hung out. So... Yes. Here we are in the COVID world of the first half of 2021. You know, we've all been working on our little projects, making sure we're keeping sane, staying healthy and doing the different distancings that we have to do to still make sure we game, have fun, get work, make paychecks, all that good stuff. So how are you guys doing? Pretty good, James. Delighted to be here and eager to get started. Uh, Who all is here? Is it just you, me, and Justin, or did I hear another voice in the background? Well, I'm here, so greetings from the great state of Alaska and happy apocalypse to everybody. I'm in Phoenix, (laughs) Arizona, and I think you're in Tucson, right, James? Yep, down here in Tucson. And, uh, yep, it looks like it is just the three of us today. A few other invites were sent out, but it looks like we're the only ones that are free this afternoon. So uh, I'll throw it out there. I've been playing more on Twitch than in person because, you know, nobody's actually playing in person And down here in Tucson. We're still avoiding the game store like the plague except for the going down and supporting your local bookstore. You know, make sure you go to your game stores and still support them because most of them will have a cool thing where you can call, place an order, walk up, and your order's ready, and you just swipe or you phone in your credit card and they meet you in the driveway. Mm. Cool. I completely second that. I live here in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, The 900-pound gorilla in my part of the world is Bosco's Cards and Games, and they have been hit just as hard as anybody else. They do have online uh, ordering options, and as far as I know, they've even got an option where they'll mail it to you, so you don't even actually have to go to the store anymore. But over the last 12 months, yes, our game stores, they have missed us, they have missed our money, and if they were truly honest about it, Uh, They have been forced to look at 2021 with completely different marketing plans in mind. Mm -hmm. Yes. I guess in Phoenix, Arizona, we've been very, very lucky. Uh, As I said, for the last uh, six to eight weeks, once a week, I've been actually meeting. Yes, actually meeting with some friends and playing Dungeons and Dragons. And yes, uh, we, we have several stores here in Phoenix, but the best one is certainly the uh, 
I, I want to throw out a kudos for them. Uh, we the the store that we have that's still around. Yes, a lot of a lot of things have been changing, but uh, we have two stores actually drawn drawn to comics, samurai comics. These are places where I indulge my uh, my guilty pleasure of Marvel comics, and uh, well, and our, of course our gaming store. Uh, we, we we've had several closed down, but Imperial Outpost Games is still up and running. And um, uh, yes, it's always very important to go go to the game store and buy something there. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely try to support your local brick and mortar stores because, you know, comic books and RPGs are one of those things that, you know, when it comes to game stores, comic book stores, they're a great resource that we always miss like crazy when they're not there, you know, and it's one of those things of they can only stay open if we support them. I mean, sure, you can order it on Amazon, but I'd much rather, you know, support a local shop here in town that's not like 30 chain stores. It's this is a person's livelihood is their store, you know, and I'd like to, to know that I'm supporting local. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of supporting local, uh, Jim, what have you learned from the last 12 months? Because uh, you're about as local as it gets, aren't you? <laughs> so uh, s- supporting local is one of those things that uh, you definitely have to make sure to get word of mouth out there, you know, along the lines of marketing. If, if folks don't know you're open and folks know, don't know you're there doing things, it's hard for people to want to shop there. You know, yes, marketing is king, like everything. That's why I've invested in a new website. I was talking about the author homepage people and uh actually design websites specifically for authors. Rates are comparable to GoDaddy or some of the others, uh, Wix. Uh, you just got to get out online. You've got to participate in as many events as you can. <coughs> I, uh, I've actually had the opportunity to sell some books at a couple of real events. Uh, oddly enough, they're pinup events where they have lots of uh, women competing for pinup prizes uh, with uh, motorcycles and uh, classic automobiles everywhere. But, uh, hey, there's a crowd. So I, I get a table, I put out my books, and I'm like, what do you like to read? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, mean it, it's true. I mean, events are slowly starting to come back, but it's it's nothing like events yeah. were like before. I mean, it's just like Dragon Con this year is, again, going virtual. So it's one of those of, you know – People are thankfully with the vaccines being out and all people are getting, you know, getting the shot and hopefully we can get back in 2020. But you, you still got to push, you know, to, to survive through 2021 to get to 2020. 2022. 2022. So John, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So John, uh, uh... That is the question. What did you do to survive 2020 when you couldn't go anywhere? Well, my uh, uh, someone I greatly admire, uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt, he said it the best way you could say it. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice. Mm. So uh, um, cutting down on going out to eat uh, uh, a bit. Finding a, a better job. I, I actually took a pay cut from unemployment, but uh, I, uh, with careful budgeting, um, I, I write. All of 2020, I spent writing. Like I say, I have two books all ready to go, 
when my publisher is ready, uh, we all, uh, her, my publisher is wonderful, Patty Holstrom. Uh, she is, um, she handles, she's put out more than 170, 180 books in the last five years. Though, of course, everything slowed down with COVID. And uh, the thing is, uh, she takes care of like seven or eight authors. I'm, I'm one of them. But we all have to wait our turn. You know, we all have to wait to when, when we can get her attention. So we all get like one book out a year. So I've got I've got two books all set and ready to go when, when it's my turn. So hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did I do over 2020? I wrote. <laughs> uh, now, uh, should I go into how I write or how did you call attention to yourself? Uh, because. You and me and Jim, we're, we're, we're all in very similar boats. It's a very crowded ocean out there. So uh, my, my, did, did, did you send up a flare? Did you write your Aunt Fanny? Did you advertise on Amazon? What did you do to call attention to yourself that said, hey, I'm different than those other guys. Read my stuff. Right. And uh, that's why I got a new website. And uh, it sounds really aggressive and obnoxious. But I have been posting my website everywhere I can on Facebook, on every group I'm a member of, at the slightest excuse. Oh yeah, check out my website. Yes, I've been I've been kicked off of a couple of groups, but when I'm a member of, I'm a member of over like 500 groups. I, I've joined so many groups on Facebook, I can't keep track of them all. So being bumped from a group here and there, ooh, big deal. <laughs> um, now. What, Phoenix, Arizona, we have something very special here. The Blue Ribbon Army. Now, what is the Blue Ribbon Army? Um, Phoenix Comic Con, which has uh, been a Comic Con titan until COVID, of course. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they shut down and do things virtually for now. But for years, Phoenix Comic Con had this fan group. It literally started off with fans just giving blue ribbons to their friends. And eventually it matured into the Blue Ribbon Army. Now, if you go to Facebook and join them, uh, just just tell them you like Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, or Harry Potter, <laughs> or any, any any anything in our um, anything in our special subculture genre. Don't don't forget they steampunk. <laughs> yep, yeah, and steampunk. They they will let you join. Now, the virtue of this is. Uh, the Blue Ribbon Army has over 15,000 members. So if, if, if you're careful, like, believe me, they don't like spam. But if I, I try to do a, a post like maybe every two months or so. And I'm like, hey, look at what I'm doing. Boom, boom, boom. Here's my new website. Boom, 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 boom. And hey, po- post it and it gets approved. It's seen by 15,000 people. <laughs> like, uh, mm-hmm. That's just one group on Facebook. So, yes, I look I look for groups that have a lot of members, um, 2,000, 5,000 or more is preferable. And uh, yes, it, some people can say, oh, that's obnoxious and aggressive. Well, 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 welcome, welcome to the age of marketing. You want attention, you got to go out and get it. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And, and that is the plain and simple fact. There is no shame. And it runs, it's counterintuitive to all of us because all of us had our parents tell us 
honey, don't slouch. Don't brag either. That's rude. And mm-hmm. so we we go out into the workaday professional world, especially uh, when we start becoming indie writers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got your mother's voice in the back of your head nagging all the time. Don't brag. Don't brag. Don't brag. Mm-hmm. Like, Ma, shut up. OK, so, <laughs> you know, this because this is the thing that you must do. And you got to understand the dirty inside secret. It ain't bragging because there's a whole world out there that never heard of you. They will not know about you until you type something somewhere in a forum or a format that causes them to say, and who the hell are you? And when there's something for them to click on, then they'll say, oh, okay, because either they're going to like it and they're going to go, oh, I, I want that. Yeah, I'll, because because they make their purchasing decisions in 30 seconds or less, or if they don't like it, it's like, eh, no, no, next page. And and so you're you're on. So you do have to be uh, somewhat shameless yep. in, in, in what you do. And and to prove my point, uh, Mr. Podcast here, uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim, how, how how have you kept this podcast relevant? Uh, through COVID, because on the one hand, everybody's staying at home and so they can listen to you. But uh, how did you make them know you were out there? I think the biggest thing has been word of mouth as well as the uh, the social media. You know, it's like whenever a new episode's up, I push out on the social media. Of course, in the last year or so, the algorithms have been really, really, really tight tight chested mm-hmm. and the fact that uh now that you know youtube and F- facebook are kind of tied in with the same algorithms that unless you're super relevant and super new and super popular to start with they don't share your product so you got to kind of go out right. to your friends and like with me it's usually my fellow gamers it's like hey guys i'm gonna post the event when it's coming up the event when it happens you know can you guys spread that you do this thing when you play or that you enjoy listening to? It's like everybody knows that crit hit gaming group out there that everybody listens to. But unless you actually share what you like with other folks, the social media machine doesn't work, you know? And, you know, it's just one of those of it's friends sharing with their friends, cool stuff that they like. I mean, hell, that's one of the reasons why we started podcasting in the first part was I see something cool. I want to tell people about this cool stuff that I see, like this great book that I saw or this great, you know, game material that we, we came across, you know, and never heard before. So if I share it, somebody else knows that it's out there because the problem is without getting out there, nobody perpetuates it. It's like so many, you know, like different RPGs are out there, like AC after the collapse, you know, and people are just like, this is really cool when they pick up, you know, they come over and they see me and they pick up the game book sitting there on the shelf saying, I've never seen this one. Pick it up, borrow it. You can buy it on Kindle, you know, and, and then bring me back my copy. You know, <laughs> it's one of those of unless you know it's out there and that's that's a marketing on a personal level. It's it's like yeah. I had a coach once tell me, you know, a, a manager that you need to be your biggest cheerleader because like in a work setting, here we are working 40 days plus, you know, 40 hours plus a week and we're doing our job. And when we do our job, nothing is said about it because we're greasing the gears. We're rolling the wheels. We're pushing the product out and doing what we need to do. It's only when the grease rubs off that gear and it springs off and all kinds of panic happens. That's the only time something gets said is when things fall apart. 
So you have to be your biggest cheerleader. So when something comes up cool, you have to say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Here's this cool thing. And as, you know, as makers and, you know, uh, authors, it's the same thing. It's like, I mean, you guys aren't my only author friends. And I love when my author friends show something new that they're out or they do that whole <laughs> 10 years ago, I wrote this and you should totally see this style of writing compared to my current style of writing, how I've evolved, you know, so that way it's I can share their things, because the thing is, I know personally how hard it is to hit that shameless plug button on Facebook. You know, it's like, you know, I'd really love one of my friends to answer that question with my link. But unfortunately, I have to be the one to plug that link because then it feels like you're 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 over marketing when you're really not. You're marketing right. like 10 percent of what you should be doing. But it's one of those of that's that's the only way to get it out there, you know, is just to be your own best cheerleader. Yes, and the thing I'd like to add to that is, is please remember that as dirty as you feel, as ashamed as you feel while you're splattering this stuff all over social media, just remember this. You know, they're using you more than you are using them. That is that that, yes. that is the plain and simple fact. And if, if you don't believe me, then uh, for anybody who is a struggling author, Try this experiment. Go to your favorite search engine. It doesn't matter if it's Google or DuckDuckGo or anything else. <laughs> and just type in, type, type, type in your name. Yeah. And, and, and you, will, you will see that uh, if your name pops up on any social media platform somewhere, the chances are 99% that it's there because you put it there. That is that 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 is the the, the plain and simple fact, and yeah. and the uh, go, going back to what Jim said, you know, the the core thing is you have to absolutely let people know that you're out there, let them know you exist, and there are a lot of ways to do this, and quite a few of them cost no money, which I'm all for, I'm very big into, I recommend not spending money to just about anybody who will listen to me. Right. But there are also some things that do involve the spending of money. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, that's that, that's always uh, a personal choice. Which, and, and so that that's why uh, I'm trying, you know, trying to keep it focused to begin with here on what you do to uh, to to not spend money. So, Jim, what else do you do to uh, you know, not spend money, but to promote a podcast? Pretty much in that regards is basically in like on a podcast, part of the marketing is I invite people on, you know, because that way, if I have somebody on to talk about their product, ideally, you'd assume that they would share that that link that's bragging on their product without them having to brag on themselves. So that way I'm I'm bumping into their social circle. So that way their social circle gets, you know, co-opted and shared with me is, is my social circle. And hopefully if they like that episode, they'll listen to another episode. And if they really like that, they'll jump on our Patreon page and they'll say, hey, can I get in on one of the games? And then they become part of my friend circle as well as my social circle. So that way it's one of those of we can share, we can we can vibrate ideas off of each other. We can, you know, basically, you know, force multiply with each other. 
It's one of those no. of, you know, what's good for me is probably good for you. And, you know, like in the old dark ages, we form a guild to support each other's interests, you know, so that way we can, you know, I'm on, you know, Skype, you know, I, I mean, I'm on Twitter and all of a sudden I see something that you like. So I poke and I click and I tweet and I send that thing out there to somebody yep. else to see. And basically we spread our wings and let people see that's out there. And and a, a like, a comment and a share is free. I mean, it's as much as it takes, you know, that that five minutes to do all three. Usually it's typically free. And because you do it, it's actually showing the algorithms, which I can't stand them, but that's what they're there for, that that's what people are interested in. So it'll actually let another person see it. I know John's got something to say on that. <laughs> I I agree. I, I mean, you guys are so eloquent. I'm just like, wow. What, OK, what can I add? Um it's important to try new stuff. My publisher has hinted that uh, Amazon is trying new stuff, and uh, I'm looking at a lot of the fancy-dancy new uh, audiobook programs where you can select voices. Instead, uh, Audiobooks can be so expensive. Instead of uh, renting a studio for three or four days, finding two voice actors, a female and a male, and uh, you know, getting all the equipment and everything—that's that could easily turn into ten grand, and that's how it's always been done. Mm -hmm. But there, there are a lot of brand new programs and stuff out there that are coming out where you can actually select voices and and put it into a into a word document, or you know, I mean, again, there, you got you got to try new stuff. And like like Jim, like J James, and uh, both of you have said, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, all these wonderful. Search engines, Google, um, Mozilla, you know, all the, you, you got to use everything. You just got to be your own cheerleader. You got to get out there. And I, I wave my giant map of Palomar and I'm like, hey, everybody, this is Palomar. Now, <laughs> um, shall, shall I start on how I created Palomar or is that getting too specific and too greedy? Uh, let, 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 let's hold let, let, let's kind of hold to the task at hand here because we're making Jim look good. <laughs> so um, Absolutely. Uh, everything you just said applies to what, what, what Jim does as a podcaster and everything that Jim said applies mm -hmm. uh, to to us as, as authors. And I'll go throw I'll, I'll go throw two more logs on the fire because uh um, in the same way that, that that you, Jim, have got to get this podcast out through as many different venues as possible, I personally I, I, I have uh, I have my own blog uh, as as me as the author. I have a company blog uh, so that I, I write uh, as the voice of my company, and I have a YouTube channel. Uh, where I produce and post deliberately cheesy videos. I have no talent <laughs> with this. I have no talent with special effects, but uh, I can stand there in front of the camera and I can wear makeup and I can wear costumes and mm. and 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 I can you know I can do a little bit of LARPing for you know ten. <laughs> ten 10, 15 minutes, and, yeah. and, and and I can still make the point. And when it's all done, none of it cost me a dime, but because these things go out through the same sort of channels 
that Jim uses, it, it is just like he said, it's, it is the magnification of the voice. So when you're standing yep. there on your hill and you're waving the map of Palomar, you've got, it's like having a huge bonfire behind you and yep. people can see you for miles. Yes. <laughs> you've lit the fires. Well, um, let's see. Um, I'm excited about my two books. I can, uh, I'm excited about all, I have five books out now and two coming out. James, Jim knows that I can, I can go on for hours about my books. So this is probably the first he's ever heard about it. So please continue. (laughs) What? See, always think of it that, that it could be the first time that someone's ever heard about it. Cause you're not just talking to me. You're not just talking to Justin, you know? Okay. Well, um, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons in 1977. I was not, uh, 11 years old and, uh, I suddenly started developing my own homebrew world, homebrew campaign world long before these terms were created. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I developed, uh, an, uh, an empire, the Palomar Empire. Try to think of uh, uh, England around 1100 AD, just b- well before gunpowder, but um, you know with the feudal society, and then throw throw in some uh, uh, ancient Rome coloring, you know, like the uniforms and such. So uh, I started building with my first city for my first adventurers. After a while, the adventurers were like, "We want to fight pirates." So I came up with the Forsaken Islands just north of the major city. And why are they forsaken? Because everybody else moves south in the in the continent. <laughs> so, um, and then I just started developing my continent from the city west, east, and south. And, uh, well, after uh, – Jim, I know, has heard this story many times. But in 2012 – I was running a Dungeons and Dragons game and a friend invited his spouse, his wife to join us. And I was a little worried at first because, you know, uh, sometimes when a spouse, it doesn't matter the gender. Sometimes when a spouse joins a game and they're bored, then they start working on the spouse. Why do you waste time with that game? It's no fun. You know, like, why don't you stay home? <laughs> you know. So, but the opposite happened. Uh, Arthur invited his wife, Laura. Laura fell in love with D&D. She started devouring everything, borrowing my books, looking at all the papers and all the adventures that I've done in the past. And she was like, John, have you ever thought of writing a book about all this? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, right, write a book. What a stupid idea. What a silly, oh, God, that would kill thousands of hours and spend thousands of dollars. And, oh, what? Why would I want to write books? And then I stopped and I began to think. And I'm like, you know, that's a great idea. So uh, the my homebrew campaign setting became the setting for all of my fiction fantasy books. I love swords and sorcery uh, fantasy work. Um, and uh, with the multiverse, of course, with other dimensions, I mean, you can pretty much bring anything you want at any time into a, <laughs> into a campaign setting. And uh, I've been having a blast since then, and I've been I've been putting out a book a year until COVID. Like I say, I uh, I I wrote a lot in 2020. I have two books ready. So even though I had a book, my first five books, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, I'm all set with 
book six and book seven uh, as soon as as soon as uh, we can get as soon as my publisher is able to uh, focus on me and, and finish the work of the authors in front of me. And uh, then so, yes, I I plan to keep writing uh, as long as I can. Which that is fantastic. I mean, honestly, I I would love to like write at least a source book or two for some of the game books, but I can't you know, sadly I keep running different games, so I have so little time to actually sit down and put all the fifteen different notepad files that I've been running with these games together for a source book or something. But that's that's eventually that is my goal at some point when things slow down actually running games is to start codifying and putting some kind of book out there at least like a pdf you know i I usually have my players uh, i call them just the fluff book you know it's the writer's bible put into a fluff book for the players to here's a reminder of what you're doing but writing is eventually one of my goals eventually so so i i i bow my head and respect to you guys about actually that that you you kicked yourselves in the ass to get writing and to make something and both of you guys are extremely prolific in your writing i mean you know the amount of books that you guys have come out with uh, and people ask me all the time where do you get your ideas for writing and i'm like have you played D for a while <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> um, and you know what um my publisher and i joke about what i'm about to say all the time Sometimes our characters talk to us, whether we're just waking up after a nice good night's sleep or, um, you know, we're we're driving to work and, you know, we're just sort of we're driving, but we're thinking, OK, how can I make this next chapter better or what can I do here? And it's amazing. Uh, sometimes I've gotten my best ideas for books when I'm literally just waking up early in the morning and trying to get ready and I'm, uh, you know, with the morning ablutions and stuff, I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. I should have, I should have that <laughs> character do that. <laughs> You've got that total fugue state going where, you know, you're not quite awake, but you're not quite asleep. So the mind can freely run with any stray thought it's got. Mm-hmm. I actually keep a little notepad next to my bed and I jot down things so I remember them later. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with once, you know, just from like a role playing center, when your character's in your head and it's taking up space back there in its own little house, it'll tell you what the character will and wouldn't do. And it's 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 like when they talk about writers, the char- they betrayed the character because that's actually a thing where the character has its own motivations and personality and you've got to respect them in their own voice. Mm hmm. That is very that is very true. But I can also tell you that that fluff book you talk about, um, if you ever wanted foundational material for a universe to write in, whether it's fiction or a role playing game, that what you that 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 thing that you call a fluff book, it's just it's ready made material waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. I have a similar document and. People who know me uh, still talk about it. I, I call it the world book. And uh, sometimes, uh, depending entirely on what I've had to drink, I, you know, it's the world according to Justin. But, <laughs> but, but, but it, um, I think at last, uh, at last count, I'm not joking. I'm thinking there was something like it contained something like 140 folders. Mm-hmm. 
and about uh, uh, 1,400 individual documents. And uh, it, it, it still forms the basis for the ongoing second edition D&D campaign. But uh, I cloned the concept about 30 years ago, and I started building the world book uh, for what eventually became AAC after collapse. And we played Camel World and Aftermath and Morrow Project and, 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 and in more recent decades, uh, the, the, the reboots of Twilight 2000 and, uh, Mutant Future and, and, and other things like that. And, and slowly over time, the um, I, I I I very cleverly labeled it World Book Annex, so that anybody who ever saw it on my tablet or on my PC hard drive would have no reason to to think anything about it, and and it just hid in plain sight for decades before anything happened, and. I did actually when when we were in the early design phase for the game we, we had several people who would just show up for the for the work session look at me and say oh, I don't understand mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> I I I I ended up writing an entire novel which is a Haven's legacy uh-huh. but I I ended up I I I ended up writing a novel and I said here look at this you know the you know and, and so instead of presenting it to them as a, a role-playing game and uh, three whiteboards full of math, <laughs> uh-huh. they, they, they got to read, uh, you know, they, they got to read a 220-page novel. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. And you just, you just hit the nail on the head with my next project, uh, Justin. I'm developing a fantasy role-playing supplement. God, that sounds like a fancy title. But uh, um, when, when I was a boy, uh, all we had was Blackmoor and the World of Greyhawk, the World of Greyhawk Gazetteer. Tell us your pain. What? Tell us what? your pain. Yes. And, uh, um, well, again, uh, I want to design my own, my own World of Greyhawk Gazetteer with maps, uh, little histories, list, like almost like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's appendix, mm-hmm. appendixes, you know, like, uh, uh, and uh, make it available. Uh, the system almost doesn't matter. You can, oh God, whether it's GURPS, whether it's a uh, traveler, whether it's space opera, whether it's Babylon Five, Star Wars, Top Secret, even Tune. Oh, Tune was a fun game. Um, the the important thing. And you're right. You're right, Justin. It's not it's not the white sheet with all the math on it. The important thing is that you, you want to make it appealing to as many people as possible. And um, I'm actually in the process of developing an FRGP fantasy role playing game supplement, FRGPS, for Palomar. So anyone could buy it, read it and say, wow, I could I could set a I could set a game in, in these four continents. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that, sure. That, yeah, absolutely. I, I like it, and I, I wish you the best with it. The the, the only contrarian thing uh, I would like to put on the table for consideration uh, is the, the, the attribution of game system. 
because there, there, there are two things that are, remain constant no matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're John Paul Reed or TSR or Wizards of the Coast, for that matter. The fact is that you'll never make everybody happy mm-hmm. and gamers mod. So no matter what game system you choose, yes, as long as you give proper attribution, there will be no lawyer showing up at your doorstep. But no matter what game system you choose, uh, they're going to tear it all apart and they're going to do it their way anyway. So that, that as, right. long, as, as long as you understand that going in, uh, you'll be a, you, you'll be a lot saner. And the, uh, the, the, the last point I would like to make, uh, just because I did this myself, I love post-apocalyptic games. Mm-hmm. I've got an entire file cabinet full of post-apocalyptic games, and I had two whiteboards here in my office for years that was basically – it was every single attribute of all the known post-apocalyptic role-playing games and on each whiteboard right at the very big block letters. Do not do this. Yeah. If, you, if, if you want to be different – then you can if you if you truly want to be different other than just saying hey this is a this is a 5e supplement based on my literary universe if you're comfortable with that if you're cool with it then then by all means do it but uh, don't be surprised if you get the itch to want to do more and if that happens then by all means go ahead develop your own game system just like you said it doesn't matter what it is right. but if, if you could call it the john paul reed system then it's yours. And every time you go on a podcast, maybe like this one, <laughs> then, um, you know, you can always say, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is my own, this is my own creation. This is my, my own thing. I don't care if anybody uses it, just give me proper attribution, etc. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, um, I think that uh, from, from, from the business standpoint, uh, you 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 always give yourself something to talk about because if all you say is yeah my this is uh, this is my 5e version of uh, of Palomar no. then you 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 the conversation is almost over with right there because everybody knows what 5e is but if you say uh this is th- th- this is my own game system they don't know what that is so right. you, mm-hmm. and, you, and you force them to talk about it and that's the problem, Justin. That's why game systems don't matter. You said it yourself. Nobody wants to take the time to learn a new gaming system. There are hundreds of gaming systems out there that people are much more comfortable and familiar with. Why reinvent the wheel? The important thing is the setting, the the nations, the politics, the uh, history, the the uh, the interaction of nobles and commoners, for example, or the time travel or uh, interdimensional travel like Michael Moorcock or uh, the sweeping epic scope of Tolkien or even the even the very intimate and personal animal human relations from C.S. Lewis. These again, the game system really doesn't matter, as you said, because um, most players will take a game system and modify it to suit their own needs anyway. So well, I've, just because I, 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 I just, just because you. I just because I want to start a fight. What does the master <laughs> podcaster have to say on that subject? Oh, See. Washington Week in Review, McLaughlin. <laughs> this is great. 
<laughs> See, me personally, as a GM that's always out there wanting to try new systems, because I can say things like, okay, I love Genesis system, which is the new Star Wars system, is because they use narrative dice, so players are forced to actually volunteer when they do something that sucks or something that's great, what their suggestions are. And then you've got, you know, because I, I joke with friends, I'm a longtime D&D player, but D&D is, is play by numbers. It's you roll a dice right. and you add a number. Genesis dice, it adds an additional step. Then you've got, for what I call the advanced role players, the fate system the, for, for fate, which, by the way, is like Justin was talking about. I do love the writers of fate because they literally made their game system and then threw it out to the world saying, by the way, like it's free online. And if you want to support us, here's some supplement books. And that's one of those systems where the player has to say, because I'm the only wizard in the Chicago Yellow Pages, my character gets a plus two. So you basically have to use your characters, not stats, but actual story points to, to get in regards to, you know, you don't have strength, but you're the strongest Aikido fighter in your block. You know, it, so you have you have aspects of your character that give you stats. So. I, I think new game rules are a cool thing to try as long as you're making the game rules to do what you need for your game. Because cause when it comes to a game, the rules need to support the narrative. Right. You, modif- you modify the system to, please your, to, to give your players a familiar framework. Absolutely. Yes. And that, again, I, I think we're all pretty much in agreement. We're all saying the same things, just from mm-hmm. different angles. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I uh, I love I love a little controversy. This is fun. Um, well, then, since you do like controversy, uh, tell us how how is your game system going to represent Palomar? Well, uh, again, not only do I I, I use all the editions of D and D, not just fifth edition, because try 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 fifth try fifth edition for psionics. They've tried it several times. It's collapsed. They're trying again now, and I'm not optimistic. The first, I think that I think the technical term for that is. Yeah, but the, first, but the first edition psionic rules actually are viable and fairly simple if you really take the time to look at them carefully and see how they work. And uh, I com- I combine elements of all five editions of D and D. I throw in GURPS occasionally because hey. 100-sided dice is a great way to dis- – it's a lot better than just a 20-sided die. I, it's amazing to me how many players suddenly roll a natural 20 when they have, when it's really crucial. So uh, always always get them to roll with percentile dice. It's like, aha, I see that three. <laughs> is that a 37 or is that a 73? Right, anyway. But anyway, um, but yeah. The, 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 again, the system doesn't matter. What the, the, you, it, what's important is your players and whether you engage them in your story, whether the, the characters that they have feel engaged, like, wow, I can achieve this. I can recruit some followers. If, if I'm a thief, I can, or excuse me, a rogue, I can recruit some followers and start my own godfather family. <laughs> or if you're a wizard, oh wow, I want to gain all this all this super spell knowledge for my spell books, and then start my own school like the um, <clears throat> Game Masters <laughs> University for my books. Or uh, oh, I want my own tower, or I want my own dungeon, or I want my own army, or I want I, you know, find what the players want and pre- and present them different ways to get what they want. Um, again, the uh, um, 
I can. I, I'm delighted that so many people are so familiar. I, 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 I love, I love experimenting too. I like I, uh, the Babylon Five role playing system from the TV show. That was mm-hmm. fun, and uh, of course, uh, uh, there, there are thousands of systems already out there. So, why reinvent the wheel? And beca- uh, uh, when you've got so many systems out there, and um, <laughs> Uh, and you're right. You got to watch out for legalities. I mean, one one person who can afford a lawyer sees a system you're doing, and gee, that sounds a lot like the one I did five years ago, and I have copyright papers to prove it. You know, then, then you got a mess on your hands. So, better yeah. better do. I, I my humble opinion, and Justin, I'll be quiet so you can respond. My humble opinion is there are plenty of usable systems out there that many people are familiar with that um, you can use freely without uh, legal issues. And uh, best of all, all of my books, well, okay, I can talk about my books again, but give me a moment to talk about my books a little later. I'll describe each of my five in just a few sentences. Each one has a different focus and appeals to a different group of people. Um, But uh, but again, Justin, to hand you the baton, uh, I want to hear why... A games, why your game system is so important when there's a gazillion other game systems that people are more familiar with out there? How how do you get people to look at your system and say, wow, that really is simpler or better or more effective? How do you do that? Ah, uh, well, now, just, just to prove to the audience that I did not hand you a live hand grenade, I'd like to point out that my website address is justinoldham.com. And that uh, you can click on the contact button. You can send me an email, and you can uh, you you can you you can say anything you want to me uh, uh, about the nature of this discussion. What do you like about the AC after collapse rules? What do you hate about them, etc. But the bottom line is, anybody who does that, they'll be talking about my stuff because it's not anybody else's. Mm-hmm. That's okay. that, that, that's that's the number one reason why it matters. The only people who are going to buy Justin Oldham's carefully constructed post-apocalyptic role-playing game are the people who are into that stuff. And when they open it up, there's going to be that little person in the back of their mind that's going to say, ah, all right, okay, what is this a one-off of? What are we? And, and they're going to turn the page, and, and 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 the little man's head is going to explode because I've never seen this before. <laughs> and, okay. and they'll 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 just keep turning the pages and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what this is. I know what this. I know what that is too. And huh? It's it, it, but and, and because it is not everybody else's formulas who came before me. What are they going to do? Some some of them, oh, man, they're going to complain to the heavens. Why did you do this? <laughs> Other people are going to say, I, I'm just speechless. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just okay. have to buy the next thing, whatever it is. That, in a nutshell, is my argument for why the game system actually does matter. Uh, and, oh, by the way, when you happen to own all the copyrights and you happen to have all the trademarks, bring it on. <laughs> yep. And uh, uh, again, J- Justin, I, I think what you're saying is per- perfectly valid. I guess I, I guess I come from an, a different school where I want to write a good story. I want to share my fun with other people. Like, let, let me give you an example. 
each one of my five books so far has a different focus that's meant to appeal to a different group of people. And when people read my books, they're like, wow, they're, I get contacted a lot by fans. When's the next book coming out? Or when, when's the next game are you running? I want to play. You know, like, uh, anyway, the, my first book is a political intrigue book, Reckless Ambitions. Uh, it, uh, lot, uh, everyone plotting against everybody else. So the old emperor, just, the old popular and respected emperor just died. And there are four ambitious sons. Ooh, boy, who's going to be emperor next? And I have to kill my brothers. Otherwise, they'll kill me. <laughs> so uh, the first book is my political intrigue book with uh, plots, counterplots, military coups, assassination attempts, things like that. My suspense thriller, if you will. Uh, my second book is more my military civil war style book. Um, I set up a, a huge Gettysburg like battle for Palomar and uh, the tactics become important. Like, OK, which cavalry will get to that high hill first? Or, oh, we have to. Anyway, uh, that's my second book, the military tactics book. And uh, my third book, there we have uh, pirates and uh, a sea ocean adventure with a, a great invasion of evil humanoids attacking Palomar. And uh, the, then um, uh, the third book, uh, that, that, that's called Pivotal Ruckus. That's my uh, ocean adventure. My fourth book, uh, Academic Mayhem. That's my in, uh, interdimensional adventure with the Game Masters University. And then finally, my fifth book, is my trashy romance book with the most unlikely pair of lovers you could possibly imagine, a lawful, good, chivalrous, and noble paladin with a wicked, evil, uh, amoral, crazy, insane, killer anti-paladin, and they both fall in love, opposites attract. So, Are you actually trying to tell me that paladins like the bad girls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And uh, a lot of people seem to be responding to it. It's funny, my... My my last book, Unexpected Entanglements, that's a trashy romance, that does seem to appeal to a lot more ladies. The, the, uh, the ladies enjoy the trashy romance angle. And uh, again, Paul Abdul was right. Opposites attract. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK. I, uh, but yes, I, I believe if you write a good story, if you write a fun story, you share it with people. Wow, look at this real great book and this wonderful tale. Oh, wow, keep reading. Yo, you want the next book? Here you go. Oh, wow. Then then, then you can get them hooked on your uh, D&D game or whatever game system you want to push. Yeah. Well, for those of us who do like to get paid, I will say in all sincerity that there is a synergistic relationship between role-playing games, the published material, and novels and anthologies based on the universe. I, I agree wholeheartedly to that because all of your written works then become source material for the RPG. Exactly. Yes. yes. And in another life, I wanted to be a historian. Okay. Long story short, uh, that didn't happen. That just, that, that's just how it went. But yeah, so hard to but make as a historian. I, uh, you know, I, 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 I picked up a lot of academic point of view. And so a uh, long, 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 long time ago, even before I was ready to, to, to jump off this cliff and do this, 
I realized that exactly what you said there, Jim, that your your novels, your literature, it, it, it can be the canon for your universe. Yes. And you do you do have the opportunity uh, to um, to to actually intertwine the the two things so that uh, just for example when uh, when when people happen to be looking at uh, AC after collapse small arms volume 1 mm-hmm. there is a, there, there there is a text box and it talks about uh, it talks about a a present day post collapse mystery in a certain location uh, relating to a cache of uh, of, uh, <laughs> of of very valuable automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. Well, well, okay, all right. Now, if you happen to read the anthology, uh, uh, let's see, it's uh, during 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 the collapse, volume one. You'll actually find out how that cache of arms got there if you read the uh, uh, after. The Collapse, Volume 1, you'll read in the anthology, the lucky post-collapse rascals who actually got to find that stuff. So if uh, if, 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 if AGM decides that uh, they want to include that, that actual location in their game... If the if, if the ammunition vault is empty, then if you've already read the books, you know why. You know who the <laughs> you, you, you know who the bastards are that beat you to it. But if the ammunition vault is not empty and that loot is there, ooh, it makes you want to stop and go back and and read the other short stories. Going, hmm, where is that place on the map? I now have a sudden itch to go there. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean. Uh, Just so everybody knows, I'm here. Oh, hello. Hey! <laughs> Evan, yes, yes. That's I, Evan. I didn't want to interrupt everybody. You guys were really deep in conversation. <laughs> but I've been lurking in the background. Hey, guys. Jim here. So we got Gavin like crazy on this episode, and since Evan did just join in, I was going to go ahead and figure we'll make this a part one, part two, and I'll go ahead and split the recording into part one, part two. And I figured here's a good stopping off point since we're having to introduce Evan to everybody, and then we'll be picking up in just a few minutes. Please check out part two of Marketing in the Apocalypse. Or, what have you been doing for the first half of 2021? All right, guys, like always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to D&D Journey of the 5th Edition, a member of the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Please follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CPPN to never miss a show or stream. Hello, this is Eric and Wendy Strzok with Stone Valley Hobby and Games. We sell board games, card games, role-playing games, and supplies. We have thousands of Magic the Gathering cards available, carry Kickstarter products, and work with veteran-owned small businesses to bring you our own line of products. We are a small business retailer, but we offer competitive prices, a loyalty system, and free shipping on orders over $100. As a military veteran myself, I'm a strong supporter of our armed forces, their families, and contractors out there doing the hard job. 
So any order from an AA, AE, or EP address will be shipped absolutely free. Remember, StoneValleyGames.com, where we take your leisure seriously.